Well, a couple of uh, weeks ago in church, we sang that song, It Is No Secret What God Can Do. And that's just what I wrote down here. It's been in my mind all along because it is no secret what God can do and what he's done for others, he'll do for you. And how easy it is for us to talk about everything, about the weather, everything, but how often do we talk about what God has actually done in our lives, even in our everyday lives, and how faithful he is to us. God healed me a year and a half ago, and a few days after I was healed, God spoke to me through this daily reading, Isaiah 12 and 4. And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name and declare his doings among the people, and make mention that his name is exalted. And that's what I want to do tonight. This is nothing about me, because I am nobody, but I have a great God, and I just have to speak of how he has moved in my life and what he has done for me, and I just praise his name and give him all the glory. And by 2011, after I had a few sort of hard years of different troubles, well, then I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia as well. And um, it was something I was told that I would have probably for the rest of my life and that there was no real cure, but you just have to learn to manage it with sort of tablets and medication. So I had to give up my floristry business that I had. And um, it's even the basic tasks of just looking after my two boys. At that stage, there were three and six. And it became really difficult and the symptoms of fibromyalgia, I had all the time constant pain in my muscles, my joints, my bones, and I had brain fog, and Andy probably would say I still have a bit of brain fog, <laughs> but um, I couldn't even cope with loud noise or stress, and it just was like my body had been into a meltdown, and my life dramatically changed, and I had to stop doing an awful lot of things that I just took for granted, and I used to have to plan my weeks around maybe one or two items in the week. If I had to go out shopping and do messages, well, I'd have to make sure I had a day or two to recover each side of that. And this was even with taking about eight painkillers every day. This was just me trying to function. And lots of days, by the time I got the boys ready for school into the bus, I was so exhausted and sore, I just had to lie down again and try to rest to recover to make them their tea that night. And during the summer holidays that stage were a real dread when the boys were off school because I just couldn't run with them and take them places that everybody else was doing them. And even to take them to a summer scheme, would have been too hard for me just to drive there and back every day. And you know, many times I just felt I couldn't face another day. And it was a really, it was a big battle, and I'll be honest, to do even the very little things. But yet, you know, when you go outside and you meet people, and what do you do? People say to you, are you all right? You go, I'm fine. And I was able to go out for a couple of hours or three or four hours and talk to people and just let on everything was okay. Do you know, I couldn't even explain to my husband or my family just how hard things were for me and how it was difficult to cope with this pain every single day because I didn't want to worry them but you know praise God he understands and he knows everything about us and the Lord knows our hearts and you know in Psalm 139 it says O Lord thou hast searched me and known me thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising and thou understandest my thought afar off thou compassest my path and my lying down and aren't acquainted with all my ways for there's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. You know, there were some times that I couldn't even pray. Sometimes I was just so down, and I just had a say in my heart, Lord, you know, you know what I'm going through. And you know, for somebody here, I'm sure there's people here tonight, and you feel all alone, and maybe sometimes you think that nobody really understands what you're going through, but I want to tell you, God understands everything you're going through, and he loves you, and he cares for you, even in the darkest of your places that you are. And even when you can't see it, he's working for your good. And just keep looking up and keep trusting him, even in the darkness. Do you know, I always would have believed that God could heal because I believe he created us and he, he died for us. 
But I, I used to think, could God even heal me? Or why would he heal me? And that's always was in my mind. My, my friends are here tonight, and they were always saying to me, go for prayer, Sharon. And, and I just kept hesitating, thinking, but why would God heal me? And like, I can't believe I even thought about <laughs> thought like that now. Do you know, because God loves us. If we're his children, he wants the best for us. Do you know, even through my illness, I learned to trust God for the littlest things in my life. And he became my strength for every single situation. And I mean every wee thing. It made me aware, just even to trust him for, sometimes even to, for me to drive a quarter of a mile to the bus stop to lift my boys, I thought I couldn't do it. And I just had to keep praying, Lord, be my strength. And he was, and he helped me through so many different situations. And God wants to be in every detail of her life. And just let him, let him guide you through your life and let him be your strength. In December 2015, when I pushed myself really hard, I was really down. I thought, right, I'm just going to, I was working for, a, I worked three days for a florist friend of mine. I thought, I'm just going to blank out my illness as if I was, I was just being really silly. Like, I thought, I'll just, just keep pushing on. But I was sorry afterwards, and I really was really bad over Christmas. And I felt like just was on the bones or just been completely crushed. And I just had a really, really bad time. And I was so down. And I just as I'd had before, just came to the end of myself again. And I just thought, Lord, I can't go on anymore. But you know, in the new year, God gave me a promise that first, the first day of 2016. And says, Isaiah 43 and 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I knew that was a promise from God. I didn't know what he was going to do, but I was expecting him to do something. But it was still not very well. Then it was announced in our church a couple of weeks later that there was a healing service on the 31st of January. And again, my friends were saying to me, Sharon, you have to go for prayer. And, and I was going, oh, but what if God doesn't want to heal me? You know, how foolish was I? You know, trying to decide if God wanted to do something instead of just going to the Lord and leaving it with him. You know, and I, I, I just, I can't believe I even was thinking like that. But anyway... I thought, well, I'll maybe go to service. And I wasn't sure about coming up to the front to get and prayed for. And I went in early and I thought, I'll slip into the back and nobody will see me. And, you know, there wasn't a seat at the back. And I had to come right up to the front. And I thought, Lord, are you trying to tell me something here? And, you know, um, and then when Pastor Ken was speaking, he said about, you know, maybe you don't feel worthy enough. You know, and that was a fear in my heart, you know, and why would God heal me? And that really spoke to my heart. You no, know, God just wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him first and foremost. Never mind everything else, just to come to him in prayer. And then we sang the song, I Surrender All. And that just spoke to me, that God just wanted me to surrender it all. To take my hands off the wheel, as it were. Stop trying to control things. Stop trying to work it out for myself. Just to come to him and surrender my troubles and my health to him and let him do his work. And you know, that's exactly what just God wants us to do. And he can heal. And he does love us. And he's, and I said before, he should be our first port of God and not, a, not our last. So I surrendered that night. I just surrendered it over to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I believe you can heal me if that is your will. And if not, I know. I knew he would sustain me through it if it wasn't his will that night. And I just left it in his hands. You know, I didn't feel any different that night. But I believe God did this purposely because I had a lot of fears from things that I'd heard in the past and about how maybe it would just be my emotion working up. And you hear, I've just heard different things and were playing in my mind. But you know what a wonderful peace that night. I didn't want to leave that service because I'd never felt a peace like that in my life before. 
And uh, that night, again, I doubted, and I can't believe it when I, I'm reading this now, but that night, my daily reading was, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I was still going, Lord, have you healed me? <laughs> and but the next morning when I got up and I went to reach my tablets and I thought, you know, I don't think I have the pain. And I knew you didn't have the pain, but I was still doubting, going, can this be actually happening? But you know, from that day and hour, I haven't had that pain. All those symptoms have disappeared. Now, it took me a couple of weeks to, to wean myself off all the tablets because I was on eight strong painkillers a day. But that was different. That was like withdrawal symptoms. It was nothing like the pain of the fibromyalgia. And praise God, from that day until now, I haven't had that pain and I haven't needed the tablets. And now I'm looking forward to summer holidays with the boys that I can do things and just the basic things in life. But you know, and I can't be silent. I have to praise God for what he's done. And I just ask you tonight, if you have a burden on your heart, whether it if you have an illness, a mental illness or a physical illness or whatever is burdening you, then I just come to the Lord. That's what he wants. Just come and lay it at his feet and let him take control. And you will not be disappointed. And let us let him do his will with your life. Amen. Very rebellious against God. And by 14, I thought I'd do things my way. And, uh, you know, I thought I'll just go and do whatever I please. And I went into the world and I thought the world had so much to offer me, but I was wrong. And, you know, by the age of 15, I began to realize that you can't burn the candle at two ends. You can't be trying to study your GCSEs and um, live a different type of life. And my body began to tell me there was something wrong. And, you know, um, at the time I was in Dromore um, High School, and by the time I walked from the uh, outside from the buildings into the main building, you'd have thought I'd have run a marathon. You could have taken my clothes and literally wrung them out. I was absolutely exhausted. I was tired all the time. I went to bed tired and I woke up tired. I was weary, just making it from one end of school to the other. I was fainting on my friends and I'm going, Alison, what is wrong with you? I took migraine headaches. I was sore from head to toe. And you know, I honestly didn't know what was wrong. Um, but the worst symptom that I honestly had was that when my body shut down, I took panic attacks and I could feel my body shutting down. And whenever I'd done that, I could feel like pins and needles in my hands. I could feel even my very face. I, I felt I couldn't breathe right. And I started to literally panic and I thought, I'm going to die. Now at 15, it still didn't even enter my head. Had I had died where I was going? because I had turned my back on God. But you know, it left me with a real fear, a fear that I was afraid to be on my own. And I'm sure my poor mum and dad were tormented because they were trying to adjust their life so I wouldn't be on my own. And you know, it says in 1 John 4 and verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Well, you know, I'd rebelled against God. I wasn't made perfect in love. If I had known the Lord, I wouldn't have had that fear. 
but I didn't. I was doing things my way. And so I had a fear. I had a fear of dying. I didn't know what was wrong with me. So I can tell you that when I got to the GP and he diagnosed with ME, I was actually relieved. I was going, oh, well, great. At least I'm not going to die from this. And I went and he says, look, I'm going to refer you to a specialist. And I thought, oh, well, that's great. Sure, he'll just give me some tablet or a wee bit of treatment and I'll be on my way. Great job. And, you know, when we went to the specialist and uh, I sat down before him, he says, I'm sorry, Alison, but you have ME. It's myalgia and camphalitis or something like that, or chronic fatigue syndrome, and there's no cure. And I went, sorry, 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 what? There's no cure. The doctor's word on this is it's incurable. In fact, he gave me a chart and told me to go home and mark down my good days and bad days. Now, when I think of it now, I'm sh I don't know how. I must have been sheer in shock because I'm sure I felt like hitting him with the chart. My good days and bad days, every day was a bad day. You know, I got up, I didn't even get up, that's a complete lie. I'd like to have got up, but I didn't even have the energy. My poor mother had to do everything for me. At this point, I was completely bedridden. I was very isolated. I was very lonely because at 15, whenever you're uh, sick, well, all your friends, they're busy living their life. You know, they have school and they have their own party and whatever they were doing. And I was on my own in a bedroom, sick, with no company. Um, my mum, my dad and my brother were probably it. <laughs> and I'm sure I wasn't much, much fun. Because there was times when mum literally would have had to have washed me and cleaned me. And there was times I couldn't even have the energy to get the food from there to there. To do it, I would have been like this. So mum would have had to have fed me. And you know, things got really bad. And um, dad and mum both tried different things and they said, well, look, we'll go to Jan de Fries and let's try some herbal things. Let's try that. And I got a whole lot of herbal medicines. Be honest, I'm not sure at one point where my dad was trying to kill or cure me. Because I remember he gave me like liver and kidney and goat's milk. He even gave me stout. I was like, <laughs> now he didn't give it to me all together in one, but like it just seemed... I was going, you know what, I think I'll just stick with the sickness, you know, <laughs> it was terrible. But, you know, there, there was nothing, there was nothing that um, I could do except rest, take it easy and obey my body. And, you know, over a period of time, I did find that um, I did increase in strength. And I almost got my life back to some sort of normality. And, you know, instead of going, well, isn't that great? I'm beginning to feel great now. Maybe this would be a wake-up call to me. It really wasn't. I thought I had missed out on so much in the world that I had so much to make up for. And, you know, young people, you are here tonight. There is nothing in that world that satisfies. You can search from you are young till you are very old and you will find no satisfaction in it. And you know, that was my case. And when I was invited to uh, a mission in Bambridge Free Peas and uh, a pastor, Ivan Thompson, was preaching at the time, it was like he was speaking on my life. He spoke on the prodigal son. And you know, we were singing this wee hymn this morning. And I just love it, because here's how it goes. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner come home. Well, that night I ran home to my father. And you know, that was, uh, I'm going to tell you how old I am now. I was age 19 and that was on the 14th of March, 1997. And you know, I have no regrets about coming home to my father. And if you're not saved, I encourage you to get to know him as your Lord and Savior because it's a life worth living. I can't tell you that enough. 
to put it in uh, Belfast terms, it's better felt than telt. And you know, things went really fast after that. It wasn't very long that after that that I met Ken. And within the year, we were married. Now, my joke in this is that it was the stress of marriage to Ken, and it was also the fact that we were now living in Ken's uh, apartment in Mount Vernon Flats on the Shore Road. And you know, stress, and Ken at the time, had just before we got married, had had an accident in work, and he wasn't working, and I was now the breadwinner. And I can only tell you that there was a lot of stress and I was feeling it. And as I was driving home from work one night, I was working in Banbridge and I got as far as the motorway and onto the West Link and I began to feel my body shutting down. And I went, oh no, oh Lord. And when I shut down, I did normally take a panic attack and I went, Lord, perfect love casteth out all fear. And I had no fear, but I had a, a, I had a, a body that was shutting down. Now, all I can tell you is I have no idea how I got from the West Link to Mount Vernon Flats on the Shore Road. I have no memory of that, but I did. The Lord got me safely home. And I sat in the car, and Ken had been waiting for me and watching for me. And he seen that I hadn't got out, and he came down to see what was wrong. And he looked at me, and he went, Love, what's wrong with you? And I knew I, I knew I had relapsed again. I didn't need to go to the doctor. I went to him anyway just to have it confirmed. And, you know, I was gutted. I had just got married. You know, I had all these plans. I had all these things that as a married couple we wanted to do. We wanted to serve the Lord. And now I was sick. You know, Ken hadn't signed up for this. You know, whenever he had took his vows in sickness and in health, he maybe thought maybe a few years down the line. But not right now. You know, and I mean, it was equally as gutting for me as it was for him. You know, I keep saying he thought he had the younger model in. Because I'm younger than Ken, I'll not tell you how much, because I'll only make him seem old. (laughs) But, you know, so Ken and I had to learn. (laughs) Ken and I had to learn to trust the Lord. Because now both of us were out of work. And, you know, I could stand here and tell you, except Ken would have no nails left. He'd have them all bit. Of the amount of times that God provided for our lives and met our needs. And you know, he's Jehovah Jireh, but you know, he's also Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Jireh is my provider. Jehovah Rapha, he's my healer. And you know, we started to ask God for healing. And uh, Ken prayed for me. I can even remember times that Ken would have fasted and prayed for me. Um, I had family and friends praying for me. We went to the elders of the church as the scriptural got anointed with oil and they prayed for me. And, you know, nothing happened. But maybe you're here tonight and you're in that same situation where you've been going, Lord, I, I've, you know, I've done the healing services or I've asked you to heal me and you haven't touched me. Well, look, here's my, my prayer for you is don't give up. Pray through. Don't be pr- through praying, as Ken would say, because you never know when your prayer is going to be answered. And, you know, I didn't know when mine was going to be answered. I had gone to healing services and Pastor McConnell had took them on a Tuesday morning and it was there that I had um, learnt this scripture God gave it to me in Isaiah about how I had to learn to wait upon the Lord because he would renew my strength. And so I always said I found strength at them meetings. And uh, I can honestly tell you, I was watching other people and I could see there was a girl who had been praying for years for a family and uh, it just wasn't happening and the next time one time we were there and we we're praying for her and the next time i seen her and she was rejoicing because god had blessed her and she was expecting and you know i was rejoicing with her but at the same time i was going lord why not me there was people with cancer being healed and i'm going lord like that's cancer that's such a big illness <laughs> it's not to god of course 
But in my mind, I was going like, Lord, it's just, you know, it's just M.A. as such, you know, a wee simple touch. But, you know, there's, there's no illness, there's no sickness and disease that God cannot heal or touch you with. And I had to learn to wait. And, you know, it says in Ecclesiastes that to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up, a time to kill and a time to heal. And I didn't know when my time was coming, but I can only tell you that what I used to do, you heard Sharon saying about saving up her strength. Well, I used to do the same, but I saved my strength to go to meet the Lord at a breaking of bread service because that's when I met with him and he met with me. That's when I remembered the Lord. So I didn't care if I didn't get anywhere else in that week. I was putting the Lord first. And you know what the scripture says, them that honor me, I will honor. And he honored me because I went just any other morning, went to break bread. And I had broke bread and was started singing and was started to sing, be still and know that I am God. And Pastor McCall said, if you're here and you have a need, I want you to stand up and reach out to the Lord. Well, look, I'm sure as many people here and you are here in your need as much as I was there in mine. And it's embarrassing. And, you know, the pastor's telling you to do something that you don't want to have to do because you just want to sit there and get a wee touch and not have to do anything. But if you don't reach out, if you don't stand up, if you don't do something, you could stay the same. And that, for me, was too big a risk. You know, it's like Peter, if he hadn't got out of the boat, how was he ever going to learn and know that he could walk in water? You know, it's like the man with the withered hand, he had to stretch it out. For God to heal him or the woman with the issue of blood you know she was breaking every law to go to meet the master to touch just the hem of his garment was all she was wanting to do and yet in doing so you know the Jew, she was she was impure she had an issue of blood she wasn't allowed to be in crowds but that didn't stop her because her knee took her to the Lord and my knee took me to mine and so I stood up and I sang the second verse of that hymn and it's this I am the Lord that healeth thee. Well, look, I knew that scripture. It's not like I hadn't heard it or hadn't read it. I knew it, but I knew it differently. I felt it in my heart. The rhema word of God spoke to me. And as I was standing there, I just worshipped and sang. And all I can tell you is I actually felt that I thought it was Ken, that there was an arm here on my shoulder and it was going across my back like Ken had stood up and put his arm on my shoulder and he hadn't but I didn't know that at the time because I was just praising God and I felt the heat wash over me and I felt a difference I can't explain it to you other than I knew God had touched me I was touched in such a way that I could not explain it but neither could I ever forget it and so I knew the Lord had touched me and you know look the thing with me Pastor McCollum says come back again after three days God's good to be proven and I went okay I'm going to go and prove God. So I'm going to do the things that I couldn't normally do. And the next day I was up before Ken had, you know, out breakfast made, up out with the hoover and all. He's going, here, hang on, what's going on here? You know, normally it took her half the day just to get down the stairs, you know. And even he began to notice a change in me. And by the third day, I didn't need anybody to tell me. I didn't need no doctor to say, Alison, you're healed. I knew it. I was full of energy, energy that I never had before. And uh, so much energy that I actually went. Pastor McCollum used to talk about the Cave Hill and uh, the beautiful view and all the rest of it. Now, I think he oversold it a wee bit. But I walked up to the top of the Cave Hill with a bit of help from Ken. And, you know, I could do something that I had never done. Why? Because when God heals, he makes you whole. Spiritually, mentally, physically whole. You're made whole. If you're here tonight and you're not made whole, then please, 
when the opportunity comes. I ask you just to reach out. Reach out and touch him. Reach out and he will bless you. There's a, a wee song that um, whenever I had got healed, I, I couldn't stop. Gold City were out over and we were doing the Great Tent event and I have Ken tortured with it all week because I can't get it out of my head because no matter what the doctor says, the great physician's touch is a balm that can mend broken hearts with one scarred hand. If you're here tonight and you have a need, that one scarred hand, that's all it takes. He'll reach out and he'll touch you. It's not going to be a man laying hands on you that's going to change you. It's almighty God. It was already prayed. It's the anointing, the presence of God that will break the yoke in your life. I just pray that whenever the opportunity comes that you will reach out. God bless you. I was going to bring other scriptures, but I feel led that this is the scripture for tonight. Uh, don't ask me why. I'm not trying to be mystical. I'm not trying to be mysterious. I'm just obeying as I'm feeling prompted and led of the Holy Spirit. That I'm going to read this. We're going to see what the Lord will say through it. And then after that, we're going to see how the Lord will lead this meeting. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, said, And he that is the Lord Jesus entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth, and Jesus knowing, notice, Jesus knowing their thoughts. Christ has already weighed your thoughts in his balances this evening. Christ has already seen the very doubtings of the heart and of the mind this evening. Christ already knows the very barriers that one puts up to say, well, no, not tonight, Jesus. Christ already knows the man or the woman who comes in and says, thus far and no further. You see, he knows your thoughts. He knows everything you're thinking. He knows the man and the woman who come under conviction of their sin and yet say with the straight face, well, I'm good living. And he says, not good enough because he alone is the standard of our morals and our living. He alone is the one that can save us from our sins and he sees them and he looks at them and he knows their thoughts and listen to what it says. He said, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? I wonder what these people were thinking in their hearts that very moment. I wonder what they were thinking that very second of time when Christ was right before them. I wonder all the different thoughts and machinations that are going through their minds and their hearts. And Christ, he read their hearts, he knew their thoughts, and he says, no. He says, that's not of God. Maybe, maybe there's a voice in your mind telling you, and they're telling you, you know, don't listen to the word. Don't listen about Jesus. Don't listen to the testimony. Don't listen to what those women said. Don't listen about the healer. Don't listen about the Savior. You don't need him. Don't listen to the word that's been spoken even to you right this moment or beforehand. You see, the devil wants you to believe the lie. If the devil can get you to believe the lie that Jesus doesn't exist. If the devil can get you to believe the lie that Jesus isn't the same even today. 
He may be alive. He may have risen from the dead. He may have ascended into heaven. He may be seated at the right hand of the Father. He may be all those things, but he doesn't know you. God knows the very thoughts and the intents of every heart. Now, here's the thing. You and I must be honest within ourselves. Not to me, I'm just a man. But to him. And he said to you right now, you know I've spoken to you. He wants to take away those thoughts that say kill yourself. Because it's a lie. Because it's evil. He wants to take away those thoughts that tell you, panic attack, you're never going to get out of it. It's a lie. The devil is a liar, and he's the father of lies. He was a murderer from the beginning. You see, he wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy, Jesus says. But listen to what he says. I am come that they might have life. They might have it more abundantly. Jesus wants to give you such a blessing of life that you have life more abundantly. Better quality than you have right now but eternal life, life that will take you to glory. He knows the very thoughts of their minds. He sees the very evil of the heart. He knows everything that's going on in that room, and he does, even at this moment right now, still the same tonight. He knows rebellion. He knows unbelief. He knows the doubter. He knows those who are crying, Jesus, help me. Help me. He knows the sincere heart. The heart that says, I need you. He knows all about you. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever has been attacking you, your mind, your body, whatever has been hindering you, holding you back, he says, I know. Whatever has kept you lying in a bed like Allison and Sharon both said, whatever has hurt you and the heartache that you've come through and you've never recovered from, all of it, maybe abuse and things that's happened in your background, he says, I am still the healer of the broken heart and I bind up your wounds. You see, he heals all manner of sickness and he heals all manner of illness. And even as it's been said, there is nothing too hard for the Lord. There's nothing too difficult for him tonight. He couldn't heal this. Let me read on. Verse 5, he says, Whether is it easy to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to, or to say arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on the earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. And Jesus says, This man is brought in by friends. And Jesus sees the faith of the people that have even brought, somebody brought you tonight and says, come. 
Sharon said in her testimony, her friends were saying, get prayed, go up and get prayed for it. Trust in the Lord. She's going, no, why would he heal me? Or It's not my time, or it's not my turn, or maybe it's never going to happen to me. You see, friend, you don't know when God's going to touch you. And this might just be your moment of breakthrough. The night when it happens. But here's the wonderful thing about it. There's no ailment too great that Christ cannot touch. That he cannot heal. There's no one too far away that he cannot reach. We find here that this man comes looking healing. And what does he say? Thy sins. Ah. This man had the curse of sin on him. And sin bringeth forth death. That's why we're all going to die. Should Jesus tarry? Because Adam sinned. His sin brought forth death to all of us. But praise God, if you're in Christ, you will receive eternal life. Notice this. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And these men here were sitting saying, who can forgive sins but God only? This man's blaspheming. Who does he think he is? Well, you see, you can be bound up with religion. They were the religious hierarchy of the temple and of the synagogues, and they'd all got together. Now, you may be bound up by religion tonight. Do you know religion is one of the biggest curses in your life? Because religion tells you go to church and you're okay no matter what denomination you're in. Religion tells you do such and such a thing and everything will be all right. And religion tells you something else. Religion tells you you're all right because you went through the ritual. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. You see, it's a curse in your life and it's bound you up. But when Christ comes, he brings reality. He brings the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, your sins be forgiven. Am I speaking to someone and you're not saved? The best thing I could say to you, the best advice I could give you, don't seek the gift. Seek the giver. Don't even seek the healing. Listen, seek the healer. Don't try salvation to do for salvation but receive the Savior. Are you saved? Do you know you're saved? Are you born of the Spirit? Are you born again? Notice this. This man arose and departed to his house, and when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. And Jesus passed forth from thence, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him, and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans, that's tax collectors, and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Listen to this. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eat? eateth your master with publicans and sinners. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that be whole. Notice, he wants to make you whole. He says, they that be whole need not of a but they that are sick. 
But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'm coming to hear about healing. Jesus said about the man who was brought to him, he says, your sins are forgiven you. And they're saying, hold on, only God can forgive sins. Well, that's because he is God. But then he tells him, arise, take up your bed and walk. And you see, this set the precedence. Because Jesus was saying, it's not the physical things that's the problem, it's the spiritual. It's the spiritual. You see, your soul can be sick. Sin sick. And dying. And your body in full health. When you go to hell. So notice there's different kinds of healing here. It says in verse 14, Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we that the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples not? They start to talk about fasting. Here's men talking about religion. Now they're starting to talk about fasting. It's all do. It's all do. It's all do. I have nothing wrong. I have nothing against fasting, but it's all do. You see, you might be sitting thinking tonight, I must do, I must do, I must do. You see, the idea of it isn't you must do, you must do, you must do. Jesus says it is done. He paid your debt. He bore your sin. He bore your sorrow. He bore your sickness. He says it's done. It's finished. Receive what he has done. Now I notice. That's your eye just run down for time's sake. It says in verse 18, And when he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead. Notice, my daughter is even now dead. But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Now here's the thing we need to catch here. This wee girl was already dead. How big a sickness can you heal, Jesus? I can raise the dead. I can raise the dead. Why did he just not speak the word since he's God and she would have been healed? He could have. But why does he do other things that we have no explanation of? Why one thing one way, one thing another, and one person, maybe even not another, till later on? Why does this happen? Why do some loved ones go on and some are healed? I don't know. But you see, if you go into Matthew chapter 13, we have Jesus and there he is. He's speaking to all the disciples and all these people gather around. He's at the shore and he gets into a boat. And even in Luke's account in Luke chapter 5, it says it's Peter's boat and Peter pushes him out a little into the water. And he uses the boat as a platform. He uses the boat as a pulpit. He starts to preach the kingdom of God and all the things of the glory of the kingdom to the people and healing. But he's standing in a boat, yet in the next chapter, the disciples are in trouble in the sea. And what happens? He walks upon the sea. Jesus, why did you just not walk out into the sea in the, the, the previous chapter and show them, look at my glory, look at this. Look, see. Can I suggest something? He's ready to bless those who are ready to follow him. He's ready to bless those who have come close to him. 
who have loved him, who have worshipped him. He's ready to pour out the blessing on you, even in the midst of your storm and your trial, whatever it may be. You see, the others, they just came to see what they could see. Spectator sport. I notice Allison had mentioned this. Verse 18 says, And while he spake these things unto her, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is not even dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, she, he, she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. You see, this woman, her need was greater. Her need was bigger than even what the law said against her. And her need was in Christ. My friend, don't you look at this man. See, if you're coming for prayer and you're looking to this man, you're going to go home the same way you came in. It's as simple as that. We're looking on to Jesus. We're looking on to him. This woman said, I am going to touch him. We later read that he goes and raises the little girl up. We then read after that he goes and he heals the blind. Different diseases right to death. But in amongst it all, he says, I am come that you would be saved. That you would be born again. Can I have the group to come up, please? Are you saved, friend? Are you saved? Are you ready for heaven? Are you ready for the kingdom? Many of us have entered a curse where that curse is a, has been a, a series of teaching, an institution. A denomination. I'm not saying anything against denomination. I'm just saying that if they're not telling you you must be saved, then friend, they're not being true with you. Jesus says, let me take your sin. Come to me.